Blog Talk Radio. Now tuned in to the mother uh, greatest. Yes, we are back. We are back. Happy Thursday, everybody. Sorry for the inconvenience. We had technical difficulties, but we are up and running. This is Les Chat. I am Miss Leisha. You know, I'm here with my right hand and sometimes my left. The fabulous Miss Tony. We're talking that talk today about show me, don't just tell me. Three fabulous guests, Jasmine Williams. Terry Forrest and Jada Pearl are going to kick it in the chat room with us today. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to get to hear them, and uh, that's a good that's a good topic that you came up with once again, Ms. Leisha. Show me, don't just tell me, and we kind of touched upon it last night in last night's show. So if you missed that, just hit up our archives. And uh, and in the process, here three great interviews that we had, all different journeys. Um, that the guests have taken and at different stages in their lives. So check those out. Great show last night. Absolutely. And with the show versus tell, our biggest thing was um, showing is the difference between, and it's really the difference between a reader getting emotionally and mentally wrapped up in your book opposed to just physically reading it. You know, it's easy mm-hmm. just to read the words, but if you're not really processing and embracing what the author is writing, it's hard to get into their work. So we got the fabulous mm-hmm. Jasmine Williams. She's going to kick in the chat room door first, and we're going to talk that talk with her about everything literature. Hey, Jasmine, hey. how are you? Hi, Jasmine. Hey, I'm good. How are you? Hi, Eleanor. We're good. Thank you. Now, for all of us that don't know who you are, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your work. Hi, everybody. I'm Jasmine Williams. I'm from Virginia Beach, and um, I wrote 10 books. Well, 11th, one of them is with Perry Forrest, and that book will be coming out on September the 5th. And I'm a mother of two kids. Both of them are going to be going back to school next Tuesday, and I cannot wait. <laughs> well, I thought you going to be doing the mommy party dance, too. Yes, I sure am. <laughs> Everybody, wait for that first day of school. <laughs> right, they like, mm-hmm. And all the arguing and the bickering and the complaining about what they didn't get their school clothes and this is it all goes away. It's like that's right because you're gonna have to yes. get up at six thirty and be out the door. Don't be late. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds alarmed. <laughs> Absolutely. Now tell us a little bit about your work because I know you said I, you know, I always have to talk this the guests before they come, and I've checked out a few of your covers. Now, you got some some of these um, some of these books that, you know, me and T love to get our one-click on. You got some, some hot little reads here. Tell us a little bit about your your books that you have, especially the May the Baddest Bitch Win series. Mm-hmm. Uh, that series, that's like <laughs> everybody's favorite series. <laughs> But that one is, uh, that's actually, like, the first book that I ever started writing. And mm-hmm. um, I actually wrote a series after that, and I got back to that one. But that was my favorite one to write. Um, it was basically about a female and her boyfriend. They were together for nine years. Um, it was a high school love type of thing, mm-hmm. and they were still together. And he had a best friend that was a 
other. So, you know, that comes with problems. So mm-hmm. um, the story is about them going back and forth after she finds out that she was more than a best friend. <laughs> oh. Mm. Got a little drama up in there. <laughs> yes, a lot that's of drama. A little, little what's going on? And that's what, I was talking to a lady, uh, my son had uh, a band camp picnic or something, and I was talking to a lady about that, how you kind of have to have, we call it um, having a um, universal pen, where you could put, like, multiple genres in one book, and I like mm-hmm. how you had the twist with the drama and the, because, you know, that drama and that sex, they get everybody every time. I don't care what genre yeah. you need. Drama and sex are the two things that you've got to have. you got to have some conflict in there, and you got to have some, you know, see, here on Let's Chat, we are sex team advocates. If it is not nasty, or if it's going to be nasty, let it be nasty. If not, we say send them to Starbucks. Let them have conversation and talk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So those are the two things that you kind of got to have when you want to grab people in the book. So right. what? What is the biggest um, thing with your pen, with your pen style that you like to do to make sure that you're grabbing and pulling the readers into your book? Um, I I like to like use a lot of dialogue um, because I have seen like a lot of stuff narrated that could have been said, and it would paint a more vivid picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like to uh, describe, like, where I'm from. All my books are based in my hometown, so it's like I know everything that I'm writing about, so I really can describe it and make the people that know about it and know those places and areas, you know, feel like that really happened there. I like to do – those are some of the things I like to do. But I'm, like, real big on dialogue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's important, this is Tony um, Jasmine, and it's important for the reader to, because um, we can kind of differentiate between real drama and plot than just added fluff. You know, sometimes right. that fluff can get in the way, and it kind of takes you out of the rhythm of reading it, because as I'm reading, I'm looking at it as a movie in my head, and I want it to flow. And if I got to go around these obstacles called fluff, it kind of takes me out of out of it. How do you feel about about books like that? Um, I feel the same way about um, fluff. Like it really takes my attention away from the book. The same way that you said, like it'll either take me a long time to read it, or I never will. Or if the you know sometimes it's a good plot that has fluff in it, and you can kind of just skip around all that. Mm-hmm. Love mm-hmm. just to get to the good part. I have done that sometimes, but mm-hmm. I really don't. I don't absolutely. Okay, I agree. I agree. And then when it's too fluffy, do you like you mentioned skipping around? I always find myself like I always say, "Tea is good," but if you haven't gotten me by page five, like gotten me into it, I'm not going to keep <laughs> reading it. I might I'm need the same page way. ten. You might get twenty if I'm if I'm cool with you, and I just got to give you a chance. Um, mm-hmm. But I'll read the very last chapter, and if the very last chapter makes me want to go back and go through it, then I will. But if not, then I won't. <laughs> That's a short span there for me. I'm just saying. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. I, if it doesn't force me back into the book, I won't. I won't read it because it's like you got to grab me and pull me in. I need somebody to show me uh, and not just tell me what it is, show me what it is. And that's really what Mm -hmm. our topic is today, Jasmine. We're talking about show versus tell. What are your thoughts about um, making sure that your writing has those the the show element um, more so than the tell element in it? Um, I read over my books like, a hundred times before I send them in just to make sure, you know, it's not a whole lot of narrating instead of, Mm -hmm. like, actually putting the people there. Because, like you said, when I read books, I, like, actually see it playing out in my head. And so I want to do the same thing with my work. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It makes makes it more fun to read. 
Right. That's why I go through my book so much. Like take out ad, you know, it's it's a lot of can take out and I feel like if you like really go through your book and take yourself out of the office shoes and put yourself in the reader shoes, then you'll be able to see a lot more. Mm-hmm. That the reader sees. Right. Mm-hmm. How many books have Absolutely. you put out so far, Jasmine? Uh, say that again. How many books have you written so far that's been published? Ten. Ten books? Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. a lot now, of books. What was going yeah, what was going on in Jasmine's world when you decided to say this is this is what I think I want to do? Um, well, when I decided that, I just always wrote like I've been writing all the time. Like that was what I used to do to express myself. And one day I was just like bored, and I started writing a book, <laughs> and I showed it to my friend, and she was like, "You should get that published. Like you really need to make that a book." And I was like, mm-hmm. "No, I don't think." People don't like it. You know, I was having that doubt and stuff, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and just give it a shot. And I did. Mm-hmm. And after that, it, they just kept coming, coming and coming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Now, this is Tony Jasmine. What is it that you have learned since penning your first book, continuing your 10th book? What has been the biggest thing that you've learned about yourself? Uh, I have learned. I actually learned a lot from my first book. I canceled. Uh, one, the biggest thing I learned is that you can always, it's always something that you can learn. And that's like, especially in the literary world with writing, like you can never have everything right. Like no matter how perfect you think your writing is and all that other stuff, like it's mm-hmm. always room to grow. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I have learned. It's always room to grow. You better talk a book coming out or that came out on, no, it's coming out on the 5th, um, Beautiful Vengeance. We're going to bring Perry in and then we're going to talk that talk about your release together. Okay. Okay. Hey, Perry, how are you? I'm fine. How are you doing? Hi, Perry. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. yes, we can hear you. Now, for okay. all those who don't know who you are, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your work. Um, I'm super simple, just a Bay Area author. I write fiction, um, kind of romance, kind of suspense. Um, that's pretty much it. I think I have 17 books, and then I have four under a pen that I write urban under. So 21 books, I think. Wow. That's a, that, that's a lot of books. <laughs> You both sound mighty young to have written so many books, if I must say so myself. Jasmine, how long have you been in the business? Um, A little bit over a year. Really? And Perry, how long have you been? Three years? 2013, wow. I think I wrote, the first, wrote my first one. Yeah. Wow. Okay, so uh, are these like full-length novels that you ladies are putting out? All the Jasmine's are full-length. I think like pretty all but maybe three or mine are full-length. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you, wow. you have a lot of novels. I like to just write until I'm finished. I don't like to write based on work. And I just write until I'm done, until they're done talking. <laughs> until they're done talking. Oh. <laughs> <I did it>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, what made you guys right? What made you guys decide to write together and pin um, "Beautiful Vendetta"? Um, I invited Jasmine to write it with me because I was like shooting some ideas by her, 
one day, and she just had some ideas to come back with. And I'm, I don't know, we both had, like, some energy at the time that needed to be – it was just an energy that we both had that was happening at that time with all the police killings and stuff like that. And so we just kind of, you know, embellished upon what was going on, really, with them killing people and how would you feel – um, if it were you, and would you avenge? Be, you know, would you? Do you think you would have it in you to avenge the death of somebody that you loved if it happened to you? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, how did that work with the balance with her um, writing longer books and you writing shorter books? How how did that work as far as balancing out the storyline? But I don't write shorter books, though. I write full-length books. I just said that like four of my books are shorter. But I write, my books are like, my first book is 92,000 words. So I write long books. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So, yeah. But how about that short balance with your, with your pens, um, with your pen styles being so different? How was that balance um, in writing the book storyline? Did you guys, did it flow easily or, you know, how was you that know process what? for you It's kind of like a, um, I guess. It's kind of like a, a training, a learning curve or something. Like we start off at a pace and then it just picks up along the way. So um, it wasn't that hard. You know, it was just because me and her share, like, the same work ethic. Like, we both are beat. You know, when we write and we're in a zone and we can pick out thousands of words at a time. And so, and then we're in the inbox to learn with each other and stuff like that. So the, the, the Story is going to end until it ends. 
Right. Absolutely. I'm glad you said that because a kind of be like walking in the Baskin and Robbins. You know how y'all walk in the 31 flavors? They got the little bitty spoon. It's like, oh, let me try that. Oh, I like that. Oh, I like that. No, I don't like that. But can I have this one and this one to mix it together? And I think that's really when it comes down to putting a book together. You know, you might start it off one way and the next thing you know, you're like, I'm going to put this over here and I'm going to put this over here. And it becomes, it just molds its own way in. Now, Carrie, how did I know they always say that characters talk to you. How did you deal with the characters talking to you when Jasmine was writing at that time? Um, I just wrote. Like I never stopped writing. So I would just continue to write and then, you know, put on put the thoughts together. Like we always, um whenever I was writing I would be in Jasmine's inbox, like I just wrote a scene where Ricky did this. <laughs> Or I just wrote a scene where somebody did this, and I would just tell Jasmine about it. Like I never stopped. Like, cause to me to sit and wait for her to write a part, like I'm not, I'm not built like that. Mhm. Right, right, <laughs> so right. right. Me, That's like, that constant communication. Right. Absolutely, that constant communication. So even though, see, the one thing I can see is your energy, and you know, I think in anything and any relationships that we have. It's the energy that people that 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 people share. So when you guys have mm-hmm. that energy, you guys kind of vibe, and it makes it easy to to work with or even deal with um, certain people when y'all have that energy. Because when you're going back and forth, it's that constant communication. And nine times out of ten, you're thinking about something that they had thought about and might have put it to the side. And they're like, oh, I was just thinking about that same thing. And then you guys right. come together, and I like that process where you. Say it again. Oh, me? Oh, I'm saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true, Leash, what you're saying about that Absolutely. process, and it's important. Yeah. The process, I mean, you know what? It really helps when you work alongside somebody that you can, like, really flow with. It wasn't her trying to overshadow my ideas or me trying to overshadow hers or anything like that. We always got on the phone, and whichever part we talked about, we would be like, oh, my God, that's so good like with each other's ideas. So it was a mutual, you know, respecting throughout the whole process. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is Tony, and um, I'm, we're always interested in to hear how two authors come together, and especially when they're not physically together. And chemistry is important when you're pinning a book together. How did you guys work the chemistry, and what did you learn from each other's style of writing that was surprising to you? Uh, I I always learn from Perry. Perry edited a few of my books for me, actually, and so yeah, I'm always learning from her. Every day I'm in her inbox. <laughs> I know she likes me, Carol Lucilla. <laughs> nope, I don't even feel like that at all, at all. And I learned from Jasmine. Like, really, it's not it's not even about the writing so much, but just about you know, I don't really trust a lot. I have a sister that I'm really close to. I have two sisters, but one of them I'm really, really close to. But they're, like, really the only ones that I ever really confide in and stuff. But with Jasmine, like, being in this industry, I was happy, mm-hmm. like, to be able to be around somebody and vibe with somebody who I really, I could say I trust her, you know. Mm-hmm. So for me, uh-huh. I've never collaborated, uh-huh. never wanted to collaborate because I'm really territorial in my work. But sharing, you know, with her was a non-issue. I was like, oh, that's, we can do this. <laughs> You know, I wasn't worried about doing it under a pen or my name mm-hmm. being tied to her. Like, I fully trust her and her, her talent. So that's really what it was about for me more than anything. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned. And you I know. think that's the best thing in a relationship, though, because I think in a relationship, I think in society in general, we have to learn oh that there's a difference between jealousy and um, being territorial. Like, when you're jealous, you're jealous of, somebody that has something that you want and that you don't have or you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? It's it's something it's a different feel. But when a person is territorial it's like, okay, this is mine and I need you to be aware that this is mine. <laughs> is mm-hmm. that is that what, so when you guys come together and you flow together it's it's a lot easier for you guys to, to pin the book. Now when it came down to the ending, how did um who who led off on the ending? Was that you, Jasmine, or did did Perry lead off? Um, Perry uh, actually wrote the ending. We're having a little hard time hearing. And when she wrote it and I read it, I was like, oh, my gosh, like, it took me by surprise. 
Because when I, I even called Jasmine afterwards, I'm like, oh, my God, Jasmine, I just wrote the end, and I didn't even know how it was going to come out. It just happened. <laughs> it just happened because we had a deadline that we want that we set, that we stuck to, that we wanted to stick to for me and her. So it was important that we stuck to that deadline. You too. Thank you. Okay. Now, um, with this first collaboration, do you think that you will ever collaborate with another author or with each other again? With each uh, other, yes. I'm sorry, say that one more time. <laughs> we will collaborate with each other, but not another office. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right. That's up. You trust each other, so it'll go forth with them. Well, we thank you guys for joining us here on Let's Chat. But, um, shout out your social media handles and what you know else you guys have coming down the pipe. Let's start with Jasmine. Um, my Instagram is classy underscore jazzy, and my website is williamsjasmine98.wix.com slash the right way. That's W-R-I-T-E. And um, coming up is me and Perry's book on Tuesday, Monday, sorry, Monday the 5th, Beautiful Vengeance. All right. And Perry, what's your handle? My handle is super boring. It's the same across all platforms. It's the at Perry Forest. Um, two R's in both names. And, um, yeah, up next for me, the same thing as Jasmine. We might be working on part two right now, as well as uh, we're having a pleasure party, pleasure re- re-release party and pleasure party on Facebook on the same day. Oh, nice. <laughs> Very nice. Well, congratulations, ladies, and thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for Thank having you me. for having us. You're very welcome. Enjoy the rest of your evening. You too. Thank you. Absolutely. I love their energy. I love how they, they mold each other, how they bounce off of each other, and they're able to just mm-hmm. kind of put it all together. Even mm-hmm. uh, with their their interview, you can see how it pours, how it could pour out into their writing and, and be a little easier for them to be able mm-hmm. to write together. So I think that is an awesome, awesome thing. We're going to take a brief mm-hmm. break, and then we will be back. We're going to play a little okay. bit of that Blue Marley and Yo Gotti. Okay. It is an exclusive. It has not dropped yet, but when it does, we'll be glad to let you guys know. So you can head over to iTunes and Get your one click going. This your boy, Yo Got It. This I live. 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 The picture, the money, it ain't the issue, I'm hustling. I'ma get it if I have to water, whip it, it's down. 36 O's, drop that in my bank account. Switch the hustle up on their ass and do the same amount. Augusta hustle, catch up to my muscle, bitch, I'm living. Don't got it, told me he got work, I said, OG, let's get it. They do my dirt with no co-defendant, I know they snitching. 30 inch wheels, but he broke, that boy got no ambition. I was 16, triple beam, leaning on him. No, the street couldn't hold me, they triple Teaming on me. I remember telling Frank, boy, I want a bed. Now I'm shopping with my bitch, all she want is Chanel. Went to sleep, count sheep, I woke up count money. If it's right for the price, tell him I said money. Remember, I ain't have a pot to piss me. Started whipping, 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 now look how I'm living. Hey, chili in it, big got all my chains on. Man, I'm about to blow like it's cocaine on. Told that walker flocker got that flame on. With my rich home. Hey, hey, this I live. 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 I really live this life for real. I really do this shit for real. A hundred twenty carries. Don't get yourself embarrassed. But I paid for the cross. I could have bought a navy. Four thousand thirty two grams. Say one. Home damage chain is what I paid for. When I was young, they labeled your boy damn fool. 22's enough on my Benz truck and my old school. You get the picture, the money, it ain't the issue. Six figures before the rap game, now I'm a little richer, homie. Still a real nigga, yeah, and I do real shit, man. Well,
around will start shifting my whole creek. Down the stream, feel nigga, get it how you live. Real you recognize nothing, don't pay the fucking bill. Broke niggas on chill, got it on them things in the fast lane. Burning brain, bumping Jake, and I live. I represent no Memphis, motherfucker. And this is how I live, motherfucker. This your boy, you got it. Got all my chains on Man, I'm about to blow like it's cocaine on Told that walker blocker got that flame on Just be jugging with my rich home Hey, hey, this I live This I live This I live This I live I really live this life for real I really do this shit for real This I live This I live This I live This I live Yes, yes, that is my favorite song. I really love that song. I can't wait for it to come out officially. But that mm-hmm. is Blue Marley featuring Yo Gotti. This is how I live. This is Lush Chat. I am Miss Felicia. You know I'm here with my right hand and sometimes my left, the fabulous Miss Tony. We're talking that talk today about show me. Don't just tell me. We have two fabulous guests on Jasmine Williams and Perry Forrest that have a new uh, book coming out, Beautiful Vengeance. It, it's a book they co-wrote together. comes out September the 5th. Make sure you guys head over to Amazon and pick so, that book up along with any of their other um, titles that they have uh, individually under their name. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I'm really liking this um, this this topic, Leash, because, you know, you and I, we, we talk a lot behind the scenes, and we always talking about the books that do so much talking. And, you know, we touched on this last night about don't talk about it, be about it, show about it. And that is so important. And I'm sure that you and I are not the only readers that feel that way. And um, and it's really great when you get a book that you can actually just enjoy and just see it and just unfold and you don't have all that extra fluff. And um, I didn't share it last night when I was talking about uh, Hood's new books, but you know, those are the kind of books that keep you in the Google. I know. <laughs> Had me up there Googling stuff. That means that they're showing, and they're not just telling it, and it flows effortlessly. And so it's always a pleasure when you can find a good book that shows you and not just tells you. That's my little soapbox moment. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think that speaks also for the quality of the book. And not even just the quality um, of the book. It also talks to the 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 draws you in into that person's pen. You know, um, the top of the show originally we talked about um, different tools that can go in your writing toolbox, and I had the Fiction Writers Workshop book, and this is for by, by Joseph Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, Novakovich, and in this book, it talks about round characters and flat characters. And I think that when you have, uh, so a flat character is a character that doesn't have a lot of traits. You know, it's just a few things that that's about that particular character. So when you're writing mm-hmm. in your work. You know, you have to be able to pull out those characters, and I think I like more rounded characters. You know what I'm saying? Some people don't like rounded characters where to them. Some people like flat characters. I think that's why you have, you know, a lot of writers use flat characters. But I think with mm-hmm. a rounded character, it makes them more of a person. So if mm-hmm. they have the trait of um, being sassy or or um, condescending, you know, when it comes down to writing that, you can show those traits um, by adding that action and emotion into that. You know, somebody's sassy, they always have something smart to say. She's got a character, mm-hmm. she always has something smart to say. She always smacking her lips, she always rolling her neck. You know, she always got a dip in her hips. You know, it's it's just really 
something about her, and it sticks mm-hmm. with you. You know, those rounded mm-hmm. characters, I think they stick with you longer, even after you read that book. What do you think, Steve? I think so, too. And also, at least, they're more relatable. And if they're not relatable to you, they're relatable to someone that you know that's in your circle on a daily mm-hmm. basis. Because those are the characteristics right. of pretty much just about every other person that walks, you know, down the street. You can relate to them. And I and it just makes it more interesting and more fun to read. Like, okay, now what's she going to What's going to be her response to, to this, or how would she react? And you find yourself thinking about those characters, even when you're not reading the book. That's how much it sticks with you. Absolutely. And then I call these cheats. You know how they say she seductively walked in a room. To me, that's using the word seductive is a cheat by saying, I did show. No, you told them it was seductive. What was seductive about her walk? How did she walk in? Did she glide in? Was her hips moving side to side? I mean, was it a beat? I mean, what was going on that made her walk so seductive? And I think that's what readers enjoy when an author can really mentally and emotionally grab them, snatch them up, and yank them into their world where it's like, I don't know what else to do. The book is over. They ain't got another one coming for another six months to a year, but what am I supposed to do now? Because then you get that book itis. When when you have a well-rounded character and an author's pen that has just pulled you in, you get that book itis. That means that it's, certain books are only to be read together. You can't, it depends on the speed. Like sometimes some authors, I can't read something after. I got to give it two, three days depending on who the author is and, and what the book is. So mm-hmm. I think that as a reader, that's like the best part about the show and sell that we get from these authors. Now we have mm-hmm. the fabulous author Jada Pearl in. She's going to kick in the chat room door and give us some of that show me, don't just tell me talk. Okay. Hi, Jada. How are you? Hi, Jada. I'm oh, great. How are you? I'm Hi, how are you? <laughs> We're good, thank you. Now, for all of those that don't know who author Jada Pearl is, tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your work. Well, my name is Jada Pearl. Um, I came on the scene two years ago uh, with my first uh, e-book. Uh, it was called um, What He Wanted. And then I came out with a second book, um, more romance book called Dreams Do Come True. And now I am currently, I have two, um, the series kind of a book one and one book two, which is Let Me Love You, which is what I'm currently uh, marketing now. Mm. And I do do primarily romance. Can you guys hear me okay? I'm sorry. Absolutely. Yes. Now, what made you name it um, Let Me Love You? I love that. It's a really Mm -hmm. smooth title. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Actually, because um, I think sometimes that we have a hard time with letting people love us. And when I thought, when I was thinking of a title, because that wasn't the original title, it just came to me like when I was writing this, how difficult she made it for him to, for him to let, for herself to let him love her. So I was like, that was a good enough, that was a great title. Mm, I like that. Absolutely. Now, when you're writing your characters, we um, I don't know if you heard, uh, heard when we were talking about um, the whether a character is rounded or flat. Are your characters more rounded where you give them life, or are they more flat where you give them a few um, traits and then you expand off of that? Um, kind of both. Um, I have some characters who just are, I try to make them, that you would think that you're the that person, that you can see yourself being that person. Or I have uh-huh. some characters where um, you can just, you can picture that person, but not really as yourself, but you can kind of see what that person, like what type of person they are. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Now this is Tony Gator. Can you tell us a little, about a little bit about your leading characters and let me love you? Um, the leading characters are Sky and Derez, and mm-hmm. Sky is a very conservative woman. Um, she was raised by um, kind of not 
I won't say strict parents because you really only hear about more so the dad. She mentions her mom, but not really talks about her mom a lot. But mm-hmm. her father, she was a daddy's girl. She was the only child. And so they treated her as an only child. So she grew up kind of refined, um, didn't really go too much out the box. And so she decides one day that she is, she wanted to try something different. So with the help of her best friend, she goes and tries something different, and that's where she meets Derez. Um, oh. Derez is um, – hmm. I always have a difficult time characterizing him sometimes. Mm-hmm. But he is not really the guy next door, but he is – he can be a businessman one second and a thug the next. But he oh. really lets the thug side show. But if you get him there, he'll he'll go there. So, oh. um, yeah, he's but he's very sweet. He's very attentive to the person who he's with, and that's exactly what he shows the sky. Mhm. Well, I like he that very, character. He was, very <laughs> <laughs> he was very attentive. Oh, to her. Oh Let me find out. I got another book, boo. <laughs> Here's the funny thing about Derez. It's actually a is a guy who I used to date some years oh. ago. Oh. Um and mostly the characteristics for him is like the real is like the real person. Mm-hmm. When he read the book, he texted me and was like Wow, you remember that much about me that you captured me in this book like that. So he, so he was um, surprised that I remembered that much about him because I hadn't talked to him for some years. So, um, wow. but when I was trying to think of a character name, his name just for some reason just popped in my head. Mhm. Powerful girl. <laughs> yes, that is that is powerful, and it makes for a powerful for book a uh, powerful book as well when you have characters like that. How were you able yes, to set the atmosphere um, in your book for your readers? Do you write a storyline? Do you, I mean an outline? Do you write a, use a storyboard? What are, what tools do you use to help you set the atmosphere for the reader? Um, I write an outline. I don't necessarily always follow it, but I try to write an outline. And I also try to do um, – I do character where I actually, you know, give the character the name, decide what I want them to look like, and kind of like what I want them to – the type of person I want them to be. If they're going to be, mm-hmm. quote, unquote, a good guy, bad guy, or, you know, just someone just general. And that's how I decipher how I'm going to input them into the book. So that way I can make sure that I kind of stay on top of if I, especially if I have more than, you know, three main characters in the book or, you know, more than three characters of stuff in the book, because if I don't, then I'll be getting people mixed up because I, you know, you have so many thoughts going in your head when it comes to writing. So I have to try to, and I keep my outline near me. Um, so that way if I get, you know, to stuck at a certain point, I can go back over my notes. I have like notebooks on top of notebooks. So, of storylines. Mm, I can imagine it. Do you ever get reader's block, Jada? I do. Um, I do. And when I do, I do one of two things. I mm-hmm. either watch a movie um, or I listen to some music, something that's going to kind of give me some type of creative point where mm-hmm. I can go from that creative point and see, you know, see something that I think would be interesting. Mm. So I, I kind of. Mm. Well, I was going to ask you about. I was going to ask you about music, because a lot of authors listen to music, and and sometimes that inspires their story. Did you listen to anything that kind of in, ex, inspired you, or just made you remember your time with the character um, that you wrote about? And I, I want to say I don't want to say his name wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it's the rest. Right. Yeah. Did you listen to the music that you listened to back in the day when you were I did, actually. your Derez? <laughs> yes, I did, because back then, I'm sure, are you familiar with the group 3LW? Mm-mm. Yes. 
They had this one song that we used to always listen to whenever we talked on the phone, and it was that Terry Dexter um, from Jaheen that we used to listen to. So it was like, it was certain like music that we used to always listen to. I'm a huge Boys to Men fan, and we always used to listen to Boys to Men as well. But so mm-hmm. I listened to some of those songs just so I could get the feel back to those conversations that we used to have so that I could, oh. you know, make sure I made him true enough to, to the character. Girl, you put some thought into that this book. Really? I love it. <laughs> now, how long have, how many books do you have under your belt that you've written already, Jada? I have four books, but only three are available. I'm actually rewriting the first book um, that I came out with. So what he wanted, I'm actually rewriting that one. So it, hopefully, if um, hopefully it will be re-released. That's what my hopes are. Mm-hmm. Now, what is that about? What Absolutely. he wanted? That's another interesting title, Leash. <laughs> um, what he wanted is actually about stalking. Um, the main character was stalked by someone who she met one time didn't really have a conversation with this person, but he just, for some reason, just picked her and decided to stalk her um, wow. to the point where he caused havoc in her life uh, to a great extent. Um, mm. So that was basically what that one, that one was a closure piece for me in my personal life um, because mm-hmm. I had been stalked and it was kind of bad. So that was just like my closure piece for me to, get away from all this stuff that happened. It, of course, it didn't happen. I embellished the book, but, you know, it just, it was some changes I had to make in my life, you know, to get away from this person. So it was just, you know, wow. something I, I decided to write to kind of be like something I could move away from afterwards. Mm-hmm. Wow. But was that for you, though? Um, you know what? It wasn't really that difficult, only because I knew it was a closure piece. You know how sometimes okay. they tell you to write a letter to somebody mm-hmm. who you didn't mm-hmm. get closure from? So it was mm-hmm. kind of like you right, did right. that, but it was just a book instead. Wow. Mm. Now, how did you get um, hooked up with writing with Jessica Watkins? Actually, she contacted me. Um, she read the um, She read the excerpt from my book from What He Wanted, and she contacted me about um, seeing if I had anything on, you know, on the table that I wanted to write. And I was with another publisher, and we did not agree on some things, so I decided to give Jessica a try and have not been disappointed since. I love working with her. Mm, that's important, too. Absolutely. That relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. I love yeah. it when you have that that smooth relationship because I think that your your publisher is 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 your right hand and your editor is your left hand. Um because really mm-hmm. those are the people that are helping you work your work out and sometimes they gotta stand you up when you're not really quite sure about how to stand up. You know, those are the two that are really there to keep you balanced and um keep your work smooth. Mhm. I agree. Now I got a fun question for you, Jada. Okay, so um, we went to well, I went we went to the Harlem Book Fair, and the best thing about the Harlem Book Fair um, was the the pitches. Like there, everybody had a smooth pitch for their book. Um, they didn't like regurgitate the uh, synopsis or, or a summary or anything like that. They really like had a real smooth pitch for your book. So if we were at a book event, how would you? be able to pitch your book to us in one sentence. Oh, wow. One sentence. Hmm. Okay. I would pitch my book to you by saying, by first asking the question, which is a huge question, is do you believe in romance? Um, and if you tell me your answer is yes, then I would say these books, my books are based on true romance and dating. And it gives you the element of being in love. And that's what romance is. Mm. That's nice and smooth. Oh, no, girl, I know that's right. <laughs> wow. 
because then that, that leaves that open-ended question for for readers to ask. So what kind of moments you got in your book? You know, it, it does exactly. leave it open for them to ask more questions, to find out more about you. Now, when you're writing um, your book and you're writing your sex scenes, we are we love, like, good sex scenes and drama. That's like conflict and drama is like the two top things to have to go into a book. But now, how do you write your sex scenes? Do you write uh, very descriptive sex scenes or do you leave them kind of um, – kind of faded. You know how sometimes they, they make it a sensual sex scene but it's not complete where you know it just leaves the the nuance that okay something went down and I guess they were happy. How do you uh, go toward go, uh, how do you approach writing your sex scenes in your book? Um, they're semi-erotic. So I give and dreams do come true most of the scenes in that one were um they were kind of i would say they they were there but they were as steam they were not steamy whereas in book one of let me love you it started out um i didn't actually do too many sex scenes in book two but um it's just that when i do i want you to be able to if you could put yourself if you could see what they were doing as if you were watching tv so I kind of write that way. So that way, if you're, you know, reading it, number one, I will hope that you would get wet. That's my whole goal. But I try not to do it in a way that it's not raunchy. Sexy so I think that's my main goal. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, we always talk about on this show whether who writes the more powerful or more emotional the best sex scenes, male authors or female authors. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm sure you've read a few. What's your take on that? Um, I think men write more raunchier sex scenes than women do. I think when women write theirs, they come more from the sensual point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you but if, if you're a erotic writer, then you may come more from the raunchier side. But if you're just, a, you know, a normal romance writer, I think you are, like, you'll come from more of the sensual side. I've read some men, and I've, I've never felt that any of them was sensual. I always thought they were more, like, play-by-play play that you tell your boys type thing, and you're giving mm-hmm. more details. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think women approach it more differently as well. Yes. I agree. They and really I think you're good. right because we're more we are more emotional, and that brings us to our topic. Our topic uh, today is show me, don't just tell me. How do you uh, approach show versus telling in your book? Uh, I'm still still learning that aspect, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think I was you know one of the best things someone told me is always think of the showing versus the telling versus you watching a play because they're showing you instead of, you know, actually telling you. So to think of sometimes when I, when I struggle with that, I think about, cause I'm a huge um, play for So I like to see players, live plays. And here in Detroit, they have abundance of them. And so I like to, you know, envision that they can actually, you know, be able to, I can show them, you know, versus show them the scenes instead of me just telling them, like, he's over there. I can tell them, I can show them better by saying he walked over there and did such and such versus me just saying he walked over there. So mm-hmm. I had I had to learn that. And I'm still, you know, that's still one of my learning pieces, but that is something that I had to learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talk about that. Absolutely. You use I'm sorry, Lise, but yeah. you used a great example when you said she walked sensually or uh, the word you used into oh, the room. She walked seductively, seductively into the word. Into the room. into the room. I call that a cheat when you use like the word seductive because it's like, okay, so what was seductive about her walk? I mean, did she mm-hmm. was it the way her hips moved? Was it was it the way her body moved? What what made it seductive? And I think that right. the biggest thing with the show versus tail 
is when you're showing, you are able to mentally and emotionally pull a reader into your world um, Mm -hmm. and get them wrapped up into it. So I think that's an awesome, awesome, awesome thing, though, that you, you're like, I'm working on it, because you know that, that that's an important, important aspect to have inside of your books, and it does right. kind of open up your world and open up it opens up the readers to your world as well. Mm-hmm. Right, right, it does, yeah. But it's not easy. <laughs> it is not easy. <laughs> So what kind of writing tools do you have in your right? What kind of writing tools do you have in your um in your writer's toolbox? Uh, a thesaurus. I have uh, I have a couple of books that uh, writing on. It's one of the main books I kind of keep near me. As I said, my thesaurus. I keep um, a regular dictionary, um, and. I just use, I, I like to use, I like to pull up, like sometimes I try to get out of the habit of using certain words like five, you know, five million times in my book. So mm-hmm. I'll go back and once I, you know, do a find to see how many times I've used that word, I'll sit there and pull up, you know, the synonym for the word or, you know, something like that so I can use something similar to it so that I won't be sitting there, you know, like I said, using the same word like, 80 times versus me being able to use it 10 times and replacing those other 70 with, you know, something else. And mm-hmm. so I, you know, I have those, I have a lot of writing books because I, mm-hmm. what if I go to um, a book fair or something, if I see a writing book that stands out to me, I grab it. Um, mm-hmm. And it could be something I can use as a resource tool just for me to kind of get better in, you know, word choices and stuff like that. Cause mm-hmm. I'm heavy on the word choices. But you said something so Absolutely. important, Daddy. This is Tony. You know, you you said you you go back and you read it and you find certain words that you may have used overused. I edit, and um, sometimes I don't think an author actually read rereads and rereads to catch those repetitive words because once you get past the first fifty, you get really tired of seeing them, and you're like, oh my God, can she find or he find another word? And it doesn't it's not rocket scientists if you just put a little bit more effort into mixing up the words, you know, use that vocabulary, expand your, your your vocabulary and it's so important because as readers we don't wanna keep seeing the same word every other sentence because it kinda of douses the, the the joy of reading, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I learned like that was a, something else I learned one of the hard ways is that Somebody edited my book and was like, you know, you've used this word like a hundred times. Let's think of some mm-hmm. more words. And and it just exactly. made me think like, you know what, let me go back and, you know, use that as something. Like I have like these cards that I write out that when I get ready to write, I have these cards and they'll say something like, make sure you check for, you know, repetitive words. Um, mm-hmm. Make sure you're using um, that versus, you know, certain, certain, you know, certain words that you would misuse all the time. And I keep these cards by me so that way that it reminds me to make sure that I'm checking for certain things when I'm writing. Mm-hmm. And cause, because I write in the morning and I write in the evening. So if I do something in the morning and I don't really look back at it until I start my writing in the evening, mm-hmm. if I don't have those cards, sometimes I'll be like, well, did I do that this morning? So I kind of do that and I always mark off where I leave at stop mm-hmm. that morning so that way I'll know exactly what I'm doing when I start in the evening. And so that I don't backtrack, but that I'm making sure that I, when I'm going forward, I'm, I'm kind of doing it in a more productive way. And the cars are, mm-hmm. the cars keep me productive because it helps me, it reminds me to double check certain things. Mm-hmm. And it helps to not be, you know, it helps to not show that long break between your writing as well. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. I, I try to Absolutely. I try to write two hours a day, no less than two hours a day. So if I do an mm-hmm. hour before I go to work in the morning, I try to do at least an hour to, to two hours in the evening time, unless I, like, have a lot of free time, then I'll write more. I have very little free time. <laughs> Uh, so yeah this summer Mm -hmm. was way overloaded but you know 
take it. I just make sure no matter what, I just write. Mhm. Absolutely. Now, do you write full time or do you work um, full time and write? Both. Yeah, I write full time and I um I work full time. Oof. That makes for a mm-hmm. long day. So we it understand does. that. <laughs> Yes, how, how are you able to balance everything, though, where you have work, you're there for eight hours, and then you have home, and then you write? How are you able to balance all of that um, and still stay focused? Um, It's hard sometimes, but as I, I keep telling myself, I can't get better if I go days without writing. So unless I'm sick... I always try to at least write no matter what, at least two to three hours a day. And I have, my job is kind of flexible where when I'm actually physically done for my work day, if I want to sit there and I stay for an extra hour, I can write there for an extra hour and still go and run my errands and come home and do another hour, you know, before I go to, I go to bed. So that way, and that's what I do a lot of times because it's a lot easier for me to to write sitting at my desk per se than it is for Mm -hmm. me to grab my laptop and sit on the couch. So it's to the point where I end up going to buy me a desk because I thought that would, you know, help my, my, my stance and me, you know, being able to sit up and write. Mm -hmm. I'm never writing in bed. That's one thing I don't do because I, I know I can't focus writing in the bed. Mm -hmm. And you know what else we don't do in bed promote? (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs> I can start, I'm like, <laughs> no, oh, unless you're trying to really get some good sleep. Not unless you're really trying to get some good sleep. <laughs> then you get in the bed and promote. Because it's like, you get there, and it's like, wow. <laughs> then it's like, you look up, and it's like, oh, man. <laughs> I didn't know the working in, in in the bed, it's, the bed grabs you. It don't want to let you go. It's like mm-hmm. I, I hate working in the bed only because I'm up one minute and then I sleep the next minute and then I'm up and then I sleep and then I'm up, and I ain't got nothing done because I'm in the bed work. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's like the worst place ever to try to do, to do anything productive as far as writing. I never. I, I'll sit on my couch or sit at the table before I physically just sit in my bed because I know, just like you said, as soon as I lean back and have that laptop on my lap, next thing I know it's mm-hmm. two hours later and I'm waking up like <laughs> somebody done shook me. And I'm like, oh, exactly. my goodness, I've wasted, I done fell asleep for two hours. Yeah, so I, I try my best not to do that bed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, before you leave the chat room, Jada, we're going to ask you a fun question. Um, if you okay. were a superhero, what superpowers would you possess? Uh, the ability to read minds. Ooh. <laughs> wow, that's, she knew right off the bat, Lee. She didn't even have to think about it. Well, yeah. I, right, she was really on it. She was like, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like, Jade, it sounds like you've been thinking about this power for a while now. I have. <laughs> I have. I'm like, wish, 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 and I can read some people's minds. Like, it was just like, make my life so much easier to be able to read their minds. So, yeah, that's always one thing I've always wanted to do is be able to read people's minds. So, that's like a superpower that I would just love to have. Question <laughs> right up your alley, girl. Right. <laughs> Without trying to overly abuse it, though, but I would love to have that power. <laughs> I'm sure you're not alone. You are not alone. <laughs> so that please send out this post to another one too. <laughs> oh, you know we that's the second one this week we gotten about being invisible. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know that's, yes, that's a pretty is. good one. <laughs> it's almost <laughs> like being a fly on the wall. Mm, and I think that will be one of mine, just to hear what people say about everything. But um, shout out to social media handles so our listeners can follow you and anything that you maybe have coming out soon. Uh, my social media is at Jada Pearl on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And 
I'm just right now just focusing on Let Me Love You Too. Hopefully within, I'm trying to bring out two more books this year, fingers crossed, very much fingers crossed. Um, if I can finish one this weekend, uh, the rewriting of what he wanted. So uh, just kind of, and I'm also going to have a webpage out where I can do a lot of blogging and people can interact with the blogs and stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to that too. Mm-hmm. Oh, all right, Nally. You know, our door is always open anytime you have something new that you'd like to share with your readers. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me on the show. Joining you us. You are more than welcome. You are welcome back anytime. Thank you. Okay, you have a good night, Jada. You too. Okay, bye-bye. I so enjoyed talking to her, Leash. I loved her energy and her passion. <laughs> Absolutely. We have three great authors today, three great interviews. If you missed our interviews, make sure you head over to the archives and check them out. We have Jasmine Williams, Carrie Forrest, and Jada Pearl kicking in the chat room door today. We talked that talk about show me, don't just tell me. Now, we will be back tomorrow with women uh, on the move. Uh, we have multiple authors coming from different genres, um, but they're all going to be in the chat room kicking it with us. We have Sharon Bennett and Patrice. Uh, though they were the ones that we met at um, the AANBC Awards uh, with the mm-hmm. book, with the shoe fetish book. They're going to yes. be on tomorrow. Uh, yes, and then we're going to have Leticia Action Jackson will be on tomorrow. Uh, she's health and wellness. And then we're going to have Auden Johnson on. And we met her at the um, uh, Harlem, Harlem Book Fair. She Harlem was Book the Fair. Um, fantasy author. Remember somebody okay. had asked about a fantasy author, and I was like, oh, we didn't meet one of them. Mm-hmm. Like, we started walking after we left to go eat. We mm-hmm. met, we saw her. Yeah, she'll be on tomorrow as well. So we're going to be talking okay. talk about women on the move. All right, sounds like a powerful show. So thanks, everybody, for joining, and don't forget to tune in tomorrow live at 7 p.m. right here on Blog Talk. Let's chat. That's right. And we out. Good night. We're going to hit you with that other side of Brooklyn. Shout out to Joe Miller and his crew over there. If you staring, they gon' ask you why you looking. Fuck you looking at. If it's beef, then you know they gon' get it cooking. Get it cooking. You don't want the drama. It's best that you keep it pushing. Keep it pushing. Anything can happen on the other side of Brooklyn. Brooklyn, yeah. On the other side of Brooklyn. Brooklyn, homie. I'm from that other side of Brooklyn. Brooklyn. It ain't about the talking. It's about the work that you put in. But don't get caught slipping on the other side of Brooklyn. Brooklyn. The city looking good, but in desperate need of a makeover. How I could take over When I wake it's a blessing to be a day older Cause the shots niggas taking I'd rather stay sober Chips and the weight of the world rest on the same shoulders But disrespect and neglect is how they repay soldiers I'm in your lane, only option, change over Act fly, now punish them with the layover Used to be fascinated with copping the Range Rover Now I need a house so big that the maid stays over Even though the hustle change, gotta meet the same